undiagnosed mental health issues I think that when you kind of don't really pay attention to your mental wellness um you can become easily influenced into you know really dangerous situations be that a relationship Welcome to another episode of the Advice You Didn't Take podcast with your girl Remy Ray. Thank you so much for all the support that's been pouring in from you guys just listening and loving the podcast. Don't forget you can catch me on iTunes, Buzzsprout and SoundCloud at the Advice You Didn't Take podcast. Also don't forget on iTunes specifically to leave a good review so that we can continue to grow up the ranks. You can find me at iamremyray.co.uk for my website and at Instagram and Twitter at I am Remy Ray. Let's get into the episode. Hi and welcome to another episode of the Advice You Didn't Take podcast with your girl Remy Ray. I have a super special guest who is all things amazing and I can't wait for you guys to get into this episode. Can you introduce yourself please? Hey Remy. Hey. <laughs> hey, my name is Alyssa Michelle and I have a podcast called One of the Podcast. You sure do. Yeah. <laughs> I want like first and foremost I want to thank you for being you. I am so touched by your story and your bravery. Um because you came down to speak at the Dripping in Dopeness dinner that I had yeah. in April and since then wherever you are, whatever you're doing, I'm just super interested in in finding out how I could support you more. Um thank for the you. listeners that don't know you um, can you give us a little brief introduction of who you are and yeah. where your journey kind of begins? Yeah, I mean, as brief as it can be. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, like I say, my name's Rochelle. I'm from Birmingham originally, but now, obviously, I reside in London. Um, 32 this year. Like, not really ready for, but actually, no, I am. <laughs> Let me change that. I am. I'm ready for 32. Like, I feel like I've cultivated this year to be, like, ready to yeah. accept the, whatever lessons are going to come in my, you know, the older I get in my you're 30s. But, yeah. You're in the work, though, so, yes. You're I'm ready, definitely, like, um, <laughs> so, yeah, like, I, born in Birmingham to a super religious family situation and quite, like, negatively religious. It was, like, toxically religious. Like, religious to a fault where anything that would take place is, like, you weren't allowed to question. Yeah. Um, and so I kind of was raised in that environment just to kind of give you a snapshot like as a woman I wasn't able to wear trousers mm. yeah wow. <laughs> the thing about my story is mad is that obviously you heard my story but there's I always little it, yeah. things it is um, something like let me just set the tone like you mm. had the whole room in tears at the dripping in dopeness dinner because people's mouths were literally open because they were like huh? like your story alone is just I don't know like even just the thought of you just randomly when you might just pass my mind or whatever once I see like an Instagram post or whatever I just the strength in you is just crazy oh God, me. <laughs> <laughs> thank you like seriously like I just don't like yeah that is I'm not a crier and yeah. I feel like I just you know, I'm, I I hear what you're saying, and I'm learning to receive. That's what Good. I'm learning to do. I'm That's learning what my to therapist receive. said to me. I need to start learning to receive. It's it is a easy lot. Though. It's a lot. Yeah. It's so hard, especially when you've experienced trauma. Yeah. 
yeah just like you know spaces that didn't encourage you to receive or like give do you know what I mean? You know the religious aspect of um your background was that like inherited from grandparents and then handed down? Oh, or... I wouldn't say that you know because mm. see my mum's dad, my granddad in Jamaica. Yeah, this man, from what I know, like I've met him a few times. He's like, I've got like an auntie that's younger than me, so I know that he he wasn't with my grandma, and I think that he treated and there's a lot of generational wounding and trauma going on in my yeah. family, but like. My mum didn't get it from him. Let's just be honest. He's a yard man. <laughs> Straight. So there's that did not come from him. I think I think a lot of it had to do with um, undiagnosed mental health issues. I think that when you kind of don't really pay attention to mm. your mental wellness, um, you can become easily influenced into, you know, really dangerous situations, be that a relationship or... A religion that's just not healthy for you because what's really interesting is like now I speak about my story a little bit more mm-hmm. I'm meeting other people whose parents have like joined cults as well wow. and and not and cults them not knowing that it's a cult like they're just yeah. in this really intense situation where people at whatever horde or church they're going to are dictating how their lives are being run at home and they're and kids are having to like change their lives at a whim because their mum's like, right, we're doing this now because such and such. So it's kind of like, well, you know, it's it's really easy to be like, oh yeah, the cults. Like, can we swear? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, the cults fucked up, or like, like the man who's leading it or the woman who's leading it, they're all fucked. But it's actually no. But what is happening in your mind mm. that you're so susceptible to that type of yeah, yeah energy? All like that training, like, didn't you get? that would allow you to see these warning signs or potentially, you know, be alarmed in any way. Um, I love the fact that you touched on mental health there because obviously I'm a fellow Caribbean person myself Mm -hmm. and my family are also from Jamaica, but I feel like even mental health for us as black people is something that's just shudded off as like, that's full, full business, fix up. You know what I mean? And and it could be something very serious, but because our culture is so dismissive and don't chat my business outside the house. Which is a problem in itself, that whole secrecy within the Caribbean community and maybe other um, African communities, other black communities, maybe the secrecy outside there is that it is killing us. Secrecy is killing us and it's not, there's a difference between discretion and yeah, this is just damn right just don't yeah. even breathe my name outside of this house and it scares you we just kind of give it, i think the listeners probably like need to have more of an understanding <laughs> of what we're talking oh, about i was going to tell you to jump back in so religion they know all right because you've mentioned the cult element now so kick in again go on yeah so basically um I was sexually abused for a very long time at home when I was between the ages, like between the years of year seven and year 11, that's when it happened. And um, my adult brain now is kind of able to look back at that and be like, well, that took place in my house because it was very cultish in the way how religion was kind of... um, At the forefront. Yeah, at the forefront of everything that we did. So once again, wasn't allowed to wear trousers. As a woman, you have to cover your head. So I'm wearing hats all day. Like, imagine the bullying. Imagine the bullying. I don't think you understand. Like, because I'm in the inner city school, yeah. like, mostly black and Asian and whatever, and everyone's, like, wearing, like, cool things. Mm. 
in in the early 2000s and I'm out here like on Papa Church church out and this is super 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 strange because I had strange we had strange rules to follow as part of the cult like really strange things was this from like toddler age though or was it implemented like at year seven so it must have been even a bit restrictive for you in itself because it wasn't your essential norm but it was becoming your norm you know Exactly, so imagine, you know, between birth and, like, 12, 13 or whatever age you're in year 7, you've formed a part of your identity. You know, like, if you're a funny kid, yeah. if you're an odd kid, yeah. if, you're, if you're a smart kid, like, you know these yeah. things about yourself. And so then for all of that to be thrust into another, like, space, and then you're having to work out who you are as you're growing, as you're coming into puberty, as you, and you're being sexually abused at the same time, it's all mad. Yeah. So, so that was happening, um... And it basically happened until he went to prison. Yeah. And um, the abuser... The abuser, yeah. Was... Can you, can you tell us... A bit? Yeah. No, but the, the listeners are not going to know, you know? Yeah. Well, we're going to know, like, who he was. Just, like, the relation and how he was... Yeah. Yeah, so he was basically the leader, obviously, of the cult. So the people that... The person in the most power in the position of, like, power in the household... Mm-hmm. Um, so he was able to kind of like finesse, essentially get in to a house where he knew that the the leaders, so the parents of the house, and this is like not including my dad. So my mum yeah. was with someone else at the time. Mm. Their mental health wasn't of a standard enough to safeguard the children in the house, if that makes sense. Yeah. Or me. Um, as I think he knew that. Like you have to know, these people are very intelligent people. I know, like they're, they're so strategic. Like so strategic. Yeah. And it's so it's so sociopathy. Like it's very it's it's when you when you start to kind of it will send you mad. Basically, the more you think about the mentality of someone like that and and the steps that they put into place in order to do what they need to do, and and then you're like, what? how did this happen and then how did they do that it's like you can't sit and think about that because because unless you're that way inclined that way inclined you're not going to understand it that whole kind of um you can't make sense out of nonsense have you heard that before of course (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean and it's such a true saying there's so many of those sayings that you're like when you're young you cannot comprehend and then when you know something significant happens you're like i should have took heed there but yeah. you didn't really know how to. I was yeah. going to ask about your mum in this situation. Um, and, uh, like, do you still have a relationship with your mum? Or has this kind of affected you guys moving forward in any capacity? Yeah, so I don't really have a relationship with her now. Mm. Um, and that is that was my choice. So when he went to prison at 16, I then moved out of the house. Yeah. Because obviously that's where all of that stuff happened. Yeah. And just to kind of give people a, an, an, like, understanding to her character, she still lives in that house wow. today. And I don't know how you can sleep wow. in that house. That not being like, what to say. You know, um, goosebumps, man. Yes. So for me, it was clear that she chose other things outside of myself yeah. and that's seen how to kind of realize that you know what this woman doesn't have your best interest at heart mm. um mum or no mum <laughs> she just doesn't and you're gonna really have to work out your boundaries and you know what Let, I, I don't think it's just in the sense of of what is taking place with you I have the same gripes and same issues with my mum obviously not with the depth as yours mm. but the boundaries and things like that I think it's really important that women 
take heed of that just generally as well, you know? And, and I have this two things that I want to say. I think um, there's two things that I want to point out, and I hope I don't forget the second one as I was talking first one, but the first thing is, I'm saying all of this, and I don't want to give the impression that I was really on on job with my boundaries. Like, I was 16, so my boundary was wild. It was like, don't effing talk to me. I wasn't, I, didn't, I would never swear at her, but in my mind, that's what I was saying. Yeah. Wasn't and there was no contact. Like I was so angry, mm. and so my, my and I used to I used to like feel hate in my body towards her. Yeah. So like I still have a boundary now, but the boundaries are a lot more softer. It's more protective of me than kind of like defensive. If yeah, that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, and that has taken a good Cushions. fifteen to seventeen years to kind of still have the boundary, but have it come from a more healthy space. Yeah. And the second thing I would say about when it comes to mums and boundaries and relationships is that. The more I understand what's happened to me and what I was talking about generational trauma before mm. um, and what's happened, it's happened to her and it happened to my grandma. Mm. And it's one of those things where it's kind of like, right, I need to put a boundary in place because you're not dealing with your shit. Yeah. It doesn't mean I'm going to deal with mine and I'm going to respect you as my mum. Yeah. But the fact that you're not dealing with your, yours is going to harm me. So I have to, have to, have to have you at a boundary because now... I'm in a space where, like, well, I'm sure we get to this, but, like, dating or anything yeah. like that, I can't deal with a man that's not working on himself. Yeah. So when am I going to have my mum in my in my life if she's not willing to work on herself? It's like, it, I feel like people make allowances for, for mums and dads because they're parents, but it's like, there are humans Human that are walking first. in rooms that need to heal <laughs> so and be better parents. Absolutely. Um, you have to be at boundary because... Let me tell you something, my kids are not going to have no relationship with her. In, and that's not in spite to them. That's, into, that's to protect them from the yeah. lack of work that she is doing. For herself. For herself, yeah. Yeah. Um, were you, I know you have siblings, but were you the only person affected in this capacity? Or can you not say? Yeah, I would rather not say because I still don't have complete clarity ah, okay. around that situation. And that's something that, like, I have to Just kind to of be patient around. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, I, every time like, I hear your story or even hear you speak about um, the relationship with your mum and what has taken place, it just reminds me of how important it is to make sure that you're constantly talking to your children and just finding yeah. out where they're at. And even if it wasn't your mum, I just wish that there was somebody else who could have potentially seen something and just reached out so that this thing, you know, wouldn't have gone on for such a long period of time. Because it's years, you know? It's years. And you know what? Like, I don't even know, like, if I've really fully formulated this thought. I had that thought. And I've thought about it. And I don't know, like, how, like, like I quite, I'm quite a spiritual person and yeah. I... I think I've become more spiritual because of all of the trauma. But like I think about um, all of the people in my life that would have saved me if they had known. Yeah. And how they were removed out of my life, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I'm not saying there's, there's you know, there's this whole kind of like, why there's good things happen to bad people. I don't know. Yeah. I can't tell you why. But like um, something that's really fascinating, like the older I got, and I've never spoken about this publicly, actually. I'll just say it now. So I have a godmother who's cool. She was a present a lot when I was a kid. Yeah. Um, and I'll tell you, I, this is, oh, I'm just trying on my business. 
just carry on my business. Basically, um, I remember her because she used to live in London and she used to come to Birmingham to take the carnival every year yeah. in Birmingham, kind yeah. of Birmingham carnival. Yeah, I know. Like, when she used to come, she used to say really strange things like, ah, oh, wouldn't you just like to live with me? And I'd be like, I think to myself, why is this woman asking me if I want to live with her? Like, I don't think I'm allowed. Like, I don't know why. Yeah. Obviously, she knew that my mum wasn't all the way yeah. to her. And because I don't, she would know if your friend's not right, right? Yeah. Or if so, something significant has changed their personality, the way they are, like their interaction. Yeah, but this was way before. This is when I was like a proper kid, like seven. Mm. This is way before. And then she just disappeared. Wow. And then, um, as Birmingham goes, you bump into people all the time. So once everything has transpired, I was like 18, 19, or probably even older than that, actually. Maybe I was way older. Maybe I was like 23 or 24. Yeah. I bumped into her because she had moved from London back to Birmingham. And um, she said to me, the reason why she disappeared out of my life was because she didn't like my mum's husband. And it wasn't my mum's husband. It was her man, but she was telling people it was her husband because... <laughs> That's Caribbean people like to pretend that they're married to them. Oh, I see everybody up with no ring. I know. Yeah, exactly. She couldn't have two kids with no ring. So she was telling people that she was married. But and so my godmother was like, I I can't come between a man and his wife. So I'm going to take myself and my opinion out of this. And I was like, wow, that's the decision that you made. And I completely understand the decision that you made. And on top of that, she's a social worker. Can you imagine? Damn. You imagine the level. So when she told me she was a social worker, I couldn't even call. Like she doesn't know. Like I've not had this conversation with her. Maybe she hears it one day. She will talk again. Do but you, will you? Oh my! Like you have to talk. To her. I have, but I still can't. You know what it is? Um, it's just so crazy because I'm speaking about my family situation on platforms that I know that my mum's never going to really hear. Yeah, so yeah, it's of course. Gonna, so it's it's kind of like the moment that I take it to her circle is when everything changes. But do you even, because of the, the boundaries that you set for yourself, would that be a form of any closure for you if actually it did get back to that circle? You know what I mean? If it, yeah, it would be, because she would have to confront it. But, like, I don't, I don't know what that would mean for her and her mates. I just don't know. Yeah. I just feel like I can't concern myself with yeah. the or whatever she's... So, yeah, um, it's something I'm working on because I think the more I'm talking about it it's bound to get back to her at some point but like yeah <laughs> I don't, I don't the, ne- the next thing I was gonna um, ask you about was actually your podcast yeah and I just I don't think you know at this stage that your podcast in my opinion is about to be one of the biggest podcasts to come out of the UK. I'm not sure if you're aware of that. I just feel it. I know it. I remember yeah, so many people. Are, I I feel like I I only know what I know for sure. Like what Oprah said. Yeah. <laughs> I what that. I know for sure is that I am speaking my truth. That's all I know. And and your your truth, um. I'm, I'm, I'm not. Obviously, my all the listeners are not going to be able to meet you in person, mm. or maybe they will at some stage, um, maybe through one of your events or something. But let me tell you that even just meeting you and talking to you, you have this softness, this vulnerability, this this humor, this this warmth that anybody that listens to you or comes into any form of contact with you will know that this is coming from somewhere so sincere that you're either going to listen 
and get a better understanding or actually it's something that you've personally been through and mm-hmm. this is the most relatable person that could get it out into the atmosphere for you to feel uh-huh. free and comfortable, you know? Yeah. And your job's so important now, I'm not sure if you realise the assignment that you've got. <laughs> I love that, the assignment. This is I, assignment, I, I'm man. starting to realise it, and I'm, and I'm starting to realise it. So the podcast, um, for people that don't know, it's vulnerable podcast, like yes. I said, and the whole the whole concept of it is that I interview people about their vulnerabilities, mm-hmm. and, and it's born out of the fact that like I was so angry. Oh, do you know what we haven't talked about? I know we have. I don't know how long we've got. Yeah, we just keep, gonna... You can keep going, girl. I love talking to you. <laughs> is that at sixteen when I left my mum's house and I was living by myself, mm. my actual biological father reached out to me at eighteen yeah. to meet him. He was like, you know, you're, you're not under the control of your mum anymore. You're 18, you yeah. can make your own decisions. I would like to meet you. I said, okay, cool. Um, he was like, come to Jamaica because I want you to meet your grandparents that you've never met. I was like, cool. And then I got to Jamaica and took sick and then fell into a coma. This is, it, this is, it gets just wild, right? That's <laughs> wild. So between the ages of 16 and 19, I was in a coma. And... And my my thinking is about that now was every single secret that I held in my body, every single wound that I had Wait, from like being yeah. physically abused or sexually abused or just whatever, like mm-hmm. I held so much in me that I felt like my body had to reset now. Yeah. Now looking at it, I can see that when I was there, I was just angry, like just pure, like raw, red hot anger in my body every day. But it's so crazy because the thing about anger is such an interesting thing. Like I'm, I was never a physically aggressive person, or I never used to fight and I used to argue or shout at nobody. Mm-hmm. I've always had the same type of temperament. So if you would have met me ten years ago, I would have been this person. You would have known there was something wrong. Yeah. But if I shoot, it was cool. Like it didn't bother you because we were friends. That's yeah. the kind of. That's the kind of energy I had. Yeah. But what was happening is that it was still in my body. So, back to the reason why I started the podcast, I came to understand and realise that all of the things that I weren't talking about yeah. was killing me. Yes. Actually killing me. Like, I was in a coma on my deathbed. That coma was your rebirth, wasn't it? I believe so. Like, I genuinely believe so. Yeah. And then, and then and because that happened and then I started talking about it, so, and like I said, you know this whole, we all know that overnight success isn't a thing. Like, mm. I'm, I'm I'm happy to talk to you now, so mm. freely, because that happened when I was 19. I'm 32 yeah. this year. I've been practicing how to talk and I've been talking about it in small bits. My best friend still doesn't know certain things. There are certain things that will come out now that she's yeah. like, well, I didn't know that because there's no way I would have been able to talk everything at the same time. So yeah. I think people giving themselves baby steps is really, really important. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but vulnerability. So what happened is I started like just talking about my stuff and just being more confident within like a group of three people. It wasn't everyone. It was like the three people that knew. Mm. But what happened is the more I started to be open with those three people, random people were just open with me all the time. Yeah. People would tell me everything about themselves, mm-hmm. and I would and I would hold space because I felt like I think I wanted people to hold space for me. Mm. So I was like, I'm gonna hold space for this person because. Like, I don't know whether where who they've got outside of this. Yes. I know what lack I've come from when it, can, when it comes to ears and safety yeah. and people to rescue you and hold you. I didn't have any of that. Mm. So I always wanted to be present. And then I was, like, having these conversations and thinking, I'm having so many of these. People are having the same issues and they don't know. Yeah. And it would be great if I could record it. And so 
people can hear other people talking about things that they've got. And I feel like it was a way of me being like, I can't hold all of this information by myself, but if I can record a podcast with someone that's been through it, then everyone can hear it and then they can just talk to them and talk to other people and I don't have to hold it all. Yeah, yeah, because you you, you already know what it feels like to be full on your own. Yeah. You know? So that's where the podcast just came from. So, like, so when you're saying, like, the assignment and stuff, is like, this is, I'm, I'm so happy that people are seeing it and I'm so grateful for you. Like, so grateful for you because, like, you're, when, when you asked me to do it, you know, it's so interesting. I don't know if I told you. Event. I know, your first public speaking event, isn't it? Yeah, but uh, did I tell you that I had, like, written it down that I wanted to do speaking <laughs> events and then you literally DM'd me, like, a day later? Yeah, you told me when I met you at, um, the calf when we when we first had our initial first meeting yeah and you were a bit like you were you were still a bit nervy but then we met up and then you came and you just yeah out the park like so the way how my mind works in my life is like okay so that was divine you had a nudge you said i've been meaning to do this in my message which means that the universe was preparing you to ask me and the universe was preparing me to get ready to talk so our meeting is divine so you're already on levels (laughs) I received that, yeah, baby. (laughs) But that, you know, um, just meeting you actually, and just hearing all that you say, like I am here for even the end part of your story. Like I don't want to not know if you're all right anymore. You know what I mean? Like what 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 you've left with me, even just from the snippets that I currently know. Um, it, it is so important to consistently build with other women yeah. and to make sure, like you said, that listening ear or that person being that person, even on the days that you don't want to be that person. And that's one of the reasons why I even started the advice you didn't take, because yeah. there was a lot of advice that I wish that I had got. And there's a lot of advice that I wish that I took. Mm. Yeah. And this is for those people that didn't get the advice, you know what I mean? Or didn't take the advice as well. Mm, like yeah. we, we need to give back so that there is a consistent flow of exchange yeah. so people don't feel like they need to stay bottled up and then in turn like you end up in a coma of some sort because of the weight of of what they're carrying yeah and you know what i always say and i said it to i think it's so interesting i said this to more men than i have to women when you carry stuff in your body mm. it has to come out yeah you know what i mean like when you eat shit it comes out in your skin, you get spots, you get whatever. It has to come out. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to, like, carrying, like, negative energy in your body, you don't get to decide how that comes out. I'm Whether just... it's in a headache or a mental health issue or a brain aneurysm or whatever. Like, you don't stress. get to... Or stress yeah. or depression. Like, you don't get to decide how that leaves your body. It's... And so my thing is process it, deal with it acknowledge it talk about it what would those steps look like to us like somebody like one of the listeners that are listening now what would that look like to somebody else those steps what what would would the steps or the steps look like did you say steps right yeah steps okay steps so okay so when it comes to like processing Mm. like i have just completed a retreat that was all about deep processing of grief i'm so grateful for the opportunity to do that yeah. um, but for people that don't have the opportunity to do that type of thing my key takeaway from this and this is something that i think i'm going to speak a little bit more about on my instagram is um 
choose have a if you have a friend and if you don't come over to the vulnerable podcast and at us and there's a community of people there but you need to choose a friend and ask that friend to hold space for you because you need to get angry about something mm. and one all that friend needs to do they don't need to say anything they just need to sit and observe you and and support you going through some things so or what at that point you then need to write down whatever you're angry about or whoever you're angry at. Write a letter, if it's your mum, write a letter to your mum. Mm. Detail why you're angry at her. And then sit on Skype, sit in person, in a park, and just read the letter and scream and shout and do what you need to do. Like, do what you need to do to have that lead. Like, get it out of your body. Yeah. Get it out of your system. If you're a person and you want to do... Um, I didn't know about this, but my friend the other day told me that he went into an anger room. I never heard of that, but that sounds cool. <laughs> yeah, it's like he says there's anger rooms, there's like places where you can go and just punch up things. Wow. People, I haven't giggled it yet, but like he was saying, like, yeah, it's like, it's like a rep kind of place where I suppose they have them on those American, like, therapy TV shows. And people, like, but <laughs> they have them, apparently, they have them in the UK. If, if you need to release it physically, do that. Or go boxing, do boxing, but like, know that when you're in that boxing ring at the gym, that you are channeling negative energy and you're getting it out of your body. Like you have to, you have to consistently do that. So there's, there's two ways. One of them is um, physically mm-hmm. put something and have it leave in a safe space if it's a, your pillow on your bed or something. And the second thing is if you if you prefer to have human interaction when you're doing it, yeah. ask someone to hold space for you, yeah. and then read a letter of whatever makes you angry, and then just cry out and do what you need to do and do that as many times as you need to for many people that you need to confront about whatever until you feel lighter yeah it's It's just not in your body sorry i was gonna um to break you there i I recently started therapy again um one of the recommendations that you put towards me but i'm actually using somebody else now Mm -hmm. um and i've been to therapy before and actually that woman put me back together like i was depressed I was down and out I had the worst breakup that I've had thus far in my whole life so far and touch wood it never happens again because I felt like I couldn't breathe without yeah and it was just horrible but this lady this this black therapist lady like I even after I had to write her to say you saved my life she literally saved my life um and I'm so glad that people are saying speak out talk to people um therapy's not taboo you know what I mean like anger rooms like that's dope if if that is something that can help somebody you know what I mean I'm just so glad that there are outlets now because for people like us that were on the come up before these things were basically scarce you know what I mean Mm -hmm. um it's so important I I feel I'm very sensitive personally but also I feel like a lot of the things that had happened to me prior to going to therapy, I I was like somebody who would blame the people who affected me or made me feel sad. Um, And only now as I'm 30, I'm starting to come to terms with actually understanding that those people didn't essentially have the tools either. Yeah. And that's not to create excuses for them, Mm. but that's just to understand their... It's just a real part of it, unfortunately. Yeah. I might ask my mum for something actually she's unable to give because she doesn't know how to actually yeah. let it out. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I just wanted to segue on to now you, your relationships with women. 
because of the relationship you had with your mum and personally like do you date now don't you date um are you even do you care about dating like is that even at the forefront of anything oh my yeah <laughs> at this point you know what I mean yeah no yeah so let's start with women so I I I've never had a bad relationship with women I've always been I've always had female friends or girlfriends female friends right um and good ones, like the ones I had in college, are still my friends today. Both of them have called me today and made to call them both back, right? Literally, like I'm, I'm so grateful for that. And once again, I think at the, what, at the point I made about my guardsmen they're being taken out of my life, I feel like I was placed with angels yeah. as like great friends to kind of support me. Yeah. And they never judge me, ever. And it, that just makes me like tearful. It blows your yeah, mind, doesn't it? Love that. It blows my actual mind, like um. You met one of them, Sarah, yeah. my male. Yeah. Yeah, love her. And um, when it comes to older women, this is fascinating. I used to seek out mother figures <laughs> all the time. I have got so many Jamaican mums. I love Jamaican women, you know. They just, they make me so nice <laughs> ones. Come, like, really... come. <laughs> and they love, and they love on you so much. Like the <laughs> ones, are, the ones that are nice, because you've got some Jamaican mean street. Yeah, I know. <laughs> And you're just like, wow, like, what happened to you? But, like, the nice ones are so lovely. So I, um, and I'm just going to name them just because I just love naming them. I've got Auntie Dre. I've got Maria. I've got Sharon. <laughs> so it's Jamaican names. Yeah. But, like, um, Janet, there's so many of them. And they're all in Birmingham because I don't do it as much anymore, which is fascinating because that tells me that I'm healing more. Yeah. But when I was younger... Um, around between the ages of like 21 and 25 wherever there was like an older black woman who was safe yeah and um lovely and warm I just used to like gravitate to them they were like my best friends mm. and I met them all at work I, tend, I tended to meet these women at work a lot of the time um amazing and in their own way they saved me as well yeah so my relationships with women have always been fine it's my relationships with men and I'm talking men of any capacity a bus <laughs> like the only man in my life that's consistent is my best friend <laughs> and, and he's like um is that who i met nothing oh. he wasn't there you know what i just realized he wasn't there you know ah. uh, the, i don't think you've met him ah, okay no he wasn't um he didn't come um but he's all he's always been he's never been um what's the word invasive mm. so he is a man who's the same age as me, who, but to be fair, he liked my friend when we were like 17. I never had a crush on him, but when we were like kids and we just met, he had a crush on my friend. So I think he's, the reason why we became friends is because he was just trying to like talk to her. You're the wing, wingman, basically. Was, and then we just became best friends. And that was And we've been, but like I was with him yesterday, like we're best friends, like even today. I love uh, the fact that you still have a lot of people from that era. Then, yeah. And they're still around you now. That says a lot yeah. about their character, you know? It says a lot about their character. And also, none of these people had any clue what happened to me until the coma. Wow. So imagine having friends for four or five years, going into a coma and then coming out and be like, so I've been holding this secret. Yeah. And we're looking at you like, how the fuck did you hold that together? And we don't know. So, like, I'm super grateful for... So, yeah, men, issues. I've always had issues with men. Yeah. When it comes to dating, I... Um, up until this year, just talking my business some more. <laughs> I had, like... A five-year abstinence. Yeah. Um, and I did that on purpose because I was like, I don't understand intimacy. Yeah. I 
understand men. I don't know what they want from me. I don't understand emotions. I don't understand love. I just, I just don't understand. Like literally, you deserve two snaps for that because, girl, that is some serious maturity. You know what I mean? But it was, but it was. You say that two snaps, whatever. But it's not for me. It was, it was so detrimental. Like yeah. it just, you know, you're talking about the um breakup that you had. Mm. I had a situation like that that like, literally, nearly, it literally nearly killed me. I shaved off my hair. <laughs> I was like, I've moved British to London. <laughs> I literally was like, I cannot. This, the person literally ruined me. Yeah. And, and after that, I was like, I really don't understand what is expected of me. And I don't know what to expect from them. Yeah. I just didn't know. So but I just put so it. That is so grown up to eat. Because, I mean, even at 25, I was still acting a mess. You know what I mean? Like, the fact that you had, <laughs> what, that, when did you take that? That must have been, you were like 27. <laughs> Yeah, I say about twenty. No, that's not five years. About twenty six, I think. Yeah, that's a still quite a grown up decision to make. You know, like in the sense of, because obviously, I assume that at some point you kind of was trying to relive your youth. The, yeah. the elements that were taken away from you, you probably was just yeah. trying to relive them. I was trying to be free, like yeah. be said, well, what I now realize is that you can't be free until you process just, mm. and if you don't know how to process yourself then you're just going to be consistently in foolishness. And God just makes you keep learning those lessons until you get it, so... Exactly. And you know what? And that's what I felt like. I got to a point when I was like, oh, my, the last guy that I was actually with, and I was like, I feel like I'm just saying it's the same person. <laughs> over, and over, again. over and over again. Oh, yeah? And I was like, I can't, I can't keep doing this. I really can't. And it's fascinating. So the more you heal, the more um, of the ref- reflection of the person that you're dating mm. that makes sense so the the last guy that I dated or kind of I'm, I was, I'm in a situation or I was in a situation I have no idea what's going on I'm just being completely well right now mm. mad about him is that he's amazing but his traumas somewhat reflect mine of course they do even at this stage of growth right you looked for the same person right yeah so but what's fascinating is that because I'm now at a stage of like right I'm going to work on me what's fascinating is that he's doing the same thing mm. by himself so we don't have beef there's definitely been a situation that we've been involved in yeah. for the past couple of months but for the most part it's definitely that what's really interesting to me is the is the similarity in which we're conducting our lives now yeah i know as i continue to heal um i will continue i will continue to attract men that are doing the same level of healing yeah. and to me that is where the carrot is the carrot is in my own healing now because i'm like right they don't get better until you do. And that's another quote that we all hear all the time. <laughs> but but it, they just don't. They just don't get better. And if you've got a trash man, then you really need to be, like, looking at yourself. And, you know, and I don't mean to, I don't mean that to be inflammatory because I've seen some tweets going around on Twitter about kind of, like, women in abusive relationships and it's, like, a reflection of who you are. Whatever. It's not about saying that you're deserving yeah. of being abused or whatever. It's about saying... How do you value yourself? Yes. How do you value yourself? Are you worthy of love? Are you worthy of safety? Are you worthy of a healthy relationship? And if you can answer yes to those questions, then you will require better for yourself. And that's not, you can't, the two things are not the same. You're not, no one's worthy of getting beaten up. So I just think for me, it's a case of being like, the better I become, more the, the higher caliber of man I will attract. Attract. Um, I absolutely um, agree with you. And 
I also think that the importance of understanding when two people are on a journey, because I always say as well, relationships don't essentially mean get together combined all that you are, every single element of you without the growth either side. You know what I mean? And I feel like that's one of the biggest confusions when people get together. They forget that actually you're also separate entities. You're a combined one, but you're also separate entities. And the growth will be different at some at some parts, you know? Yeah, and I didn't know that. I didn't know that before. Like, I was just like, you're together, you are literally breathing the same air, you are the same, you have the same heartbeat, you do the same thing. I think that's the perception that's been put out there, though, um, in the media, and, you know, even when Caribbean people talk about love, it's like, me and him is one. You know what I mean? Like, it's always the dramatics of it all. Like, there's no middle ground. It's either he loves you or he don't love you. You know what I mean? Like, he's your boyfriend. Yeah. There's no nuances. You're not supposed to... Yeah, it's it's not like that. And and, and that's why I, I hold my breath when I say, like, with this particular person that I've just recently been dealing with, like, I don't I don't feel like... I, I don't have any hatred towards him. And I think older wish I... Younger wish I would have had hatred because it wouldn't have been what I needed it to be and do you know let's be honest have you been watching Love Is I was just about to ask you about Love Is and Insecure go on yeah. you, go yeah. girl <laughs> yeah. the reason why I think Love Is is so important is because it, it's teaching us about nuance yes. and about intuition and yes. about how individual your relationship is mm. and I think it's in like the, the last episode either out today or whatever I can't remember but she um a few episodes ago and I really I don't mean to be spoilers but I'm sure you said if it you when you watched it by now and you're not up to date we can't help you go ahead girl spoil away <laughs> when he's um when he's at his mom's house and and the, the yes the and it's and actually most of them you're thinking to yourself but how would I have managed that listen when she even put her hands on him yeah. and like the way that Nuri just like. Nuri didn't flinch and I was shocked because a younger me would have gone into protective mode of that man Mm. but I love the fact that Nuri stood as a spectator because in that instance she was supposed to because she didn't know the relationship between them exactly but you know the relationship between you and your man yeah and so you have to you have to hold on to the fact that he is going to respect you enough to handle this whole situation Um, that that episode was so powerful on so many levels because it's such a reality for yeah. I, I I could say about seventy percent of the black people I know yeah. <laughs> probably have a similar but, situation. But you're right in saying that if it was a Car- I can hear my Caribbean friends in Birmingham be like, "Me would I never?" <laughs> and like I like question it out yeah. and all kind of people like they must just leave and that's why a girl must have multiple men because all of <laughs> Hear the conversation. Yeah, but also she probably us a few years back probably wouldn't even have checked for him. Basically, the man was walking around LA in his drawers. You know, he he didn't have no money. He could hardly feed himself. He's living in his car. And remember, she's got her shit together. And that's why I think that this series is so important because it shows that sometimes you're not supposed to tap out. Mm. You're supposed to stay the course also and have the um you know stamina to work on other like I, yeah. I feel like sometimes we, we, when we're young we tap out too quickly oh he ain't got it together I'm off let me go and find somebody who has got it together or seemingly has it together 
But I think this show shows stamina and endurance in the relationship that we don't get to see very often. Uh, it's so true. The whole haven't got it together thing is just like, how much do you have it together? Have <laughs> you, you ever saw us crying in our bedroom? You think we're nut nuts? You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, oh, it's so crazy. Um, what about Insecure for you? Are you loving it this season or? This, oh, what, so I'm about to literally, when we get off the phone, I'm about to watch the next episode. Yeah, I'm going to watch it as well later on. Um, are you loving it? We only had the one episode last week, right? It was kind of slow so far, but I think <laughs> the whole premise of it is sick because it's like showing our age of black yes. women in a different space. So it's mm. like, yeah, you've got the one that's sexually like sweet mm. and she's just doing, because like, it's never been me because obviously that's not my story, but I have Money friends, I have money friends, yeah. and I'm never judging them. They just do what they do. I, I just love it. If I ever I, told half the stories or some of my friends, like I'm sure people would look at them differently. But that's yeah. just part and parcel of growth. You know what I mean? Yeah. And even though how East is just kind of like Daniel or what's the other one, Lawrence, whatever. Like, I get that. I understand that. Yeah, like, are you get... sleeping on his couch? You mad? Like, yeah. Are you mad? But even <laughs> even the fact that she's sleeping on his couch the other day and he was having sex with the other girl. <laughs> Them types of things that would happen. I can, I can also, I can already hear a friend calling me saying, "Guess what? <laughs> what did it? I can't believe you took the piece out of me." But this time you're still there. Like that is the type of thing that we have to do. So I love it. I love it. I love the representation. And you know what I realized recently? I really only consume black content now, and I'm so happy. You know what? I actually feel a lot lighter. Yeah, I'm seeing a lot more representations of us people like i have a whole separate instagram page that's just full of black excellence (laughs) it's just all the time like if i'm just constantly seeing rubbish i just switch over to that page and just it motivates me to go even harder it motivates me to want to do more stuff for us it just lightens me up all over again so i'm i'm grateful as well I feel um, like it as well as a result of just watching it. Like, I, the same that people were asking, did you see me some kind of one right now? <laughs> Sorry. Like, if it's not power or insecure <laughs> or love it or any other, like, yeah. housewives. I know housewives is fucking, but, like, I, I love, love it. Potomac, was, though. That's my show. <laughs> I was literally watching Potomac before. Like, I've actually paused it for this podcast. I'm about to stop that. <laughs> All right, let me not keep you too long. Let me get into name that thing, yeah? Okay. Um, tell us a book that literally changed the trajectory of your life. So, um, the, I remember reading this book. So, I don't know if you've heard of the lady called Sister Soldier. Yeah, of course, I have. What called this one? Eh, eh, eh. <laughs> Sister Soldier. No disrespect. Oh, you know what? I haven't read that. I've read Midnight though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What did you not read? Did I you don't read know. I don't know why. <laughs> The coldest, did you read The Coldest Winter yeah, ever? I, I read that. Okay, cool. So I read first, no disrespect, and this is when I was at uni. Yeah. I, I remember, like, so I'm, like, living with housemates. I remember getting into my bed early, you know, under my bed sheets, reading this book because I just didn't want no one to even know I was in the house. I was so into it. Yeah. <laughs> and what I loved about it, it was, um, and I probably, I don't even know if I would like use her frame when I eventually write my own book in the future, but she had, she had a chapter, for it. it's kind of, it was also like an autobiography, but it wasn't, mm. I know there was some parts in there that were like a little bit sensationalised for like entertainment yeah. purposes, but for the most part it was her life, and she broke down each chapter based on some, so the first chapter was called Mother, and I thought it was so powerful because yeah. it was like she was breaking down the dysfunctional relationship between her and her mum. I'm going to have to that, read that again then. It's so good. 
And I just thought to myself, um, oh, wow, other people don't get on with their mums because it's really dysfunctional and toxic. And I can really relate to this. I know that you just went through. And then she had, like, the little hoish friend. And I had hoish <laughs> friends. And, like, and there's, like, a situation that she was and it's so funny. Her reflection was really, really powerful for me because I was always that friend at school that would go um, on hoish like activities yeah. with my at school, and I'd be the friend that was allowed them to go. So if if I wasn't there, their parents weren't letting them yeah. go. The so I was always in the room with, yeah, <laughs> I'd go in the living room with whatever boy's mum. Yeah, chats the mum downstairs while my friend's getting peace upstairs. Wow. Craziness, right? So in the in the book, there's a chapter with one of their friends where she goes to this hotel room to sit with this guy, and the guy has a heart attack, and then they have to phone. <laughs> I have to phone the ambulance and she goes in that moment she's like is this my life and I was like oh my god I've been there so many times <laughs> and so and it was good because it was I think it was like the first black book that I read yeah, properly it was definitely one of the first interactions of black authors for me as well sister soldier she's a really good one to start with she, oh, she had these really militant in my early ages but like she that was a life changer for me and then I've read other things like um a piece of cake by cupcake brown yeah, and I've read that, that. That was just that was all about redemption. So it was like even though she was so low and on drugs and all of these things, that people kept on saving her. She became this thing, and I was like, oh, maybe I can become this thing. Wait, she was a British writer as well, wasn't she? Um, no, Kate Brown is the American one. I think uh, it's also you, there is a like, British one as well. Content something. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Yeah, I don't. I haven't read that one. Uh, but, um, yeah. So those two books, um, you know, Sister Soldier was in talks with uh, Jada Pinkett about making the coldest winter ever a movie, right? What happened? <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, podcast episode that has just blown your mind. Um, has to be Super Soul Sunday. Oh, don't get me started. What? I'm obsessed. Yeah. And for me, the particular episode, I don't know what the actual episode is called, but any interview with Brené Brown just has me on edge. Brené Brown, I'm going to check it out. Yeah, Brené Brown is, she's like the thought leader on vulnerability. She, she was the person who made me realise that's what I wanted to talk about. Um, so she did a TED talk called The Power of Vulnerability. Oh yeah, I think you told me about this before. I'm going to link to her, I'm going to link to all this in the show notes. So Yeah, and then she's got like... um. She talks about guilt and shame and all this. And so I just basically stalk her now. I've got all her books, all of her podcasts. Anything that Brené does, I'm there. Um, so, yeah, Oprah's interviewed her a few times. It's so fascinating. With Oprah, mm. with Oprah get excited to talk to Brené. Like, you hear her change a little bit. Like, she's so gassed by her. <laughs> um, what about person that's, like, that person for you that is, like, your go-to person they inspire you, they influence you, they shelter you. Who is that person to you? In real life or, like, a famous person? It can be either or. Oh, wow. Uh, can, I have, can I have two? <laughs> Go ahead, girl. So, first would be Oprah, because she's been consistent. She's been, like, the consistent <laughs> I've ever had. From, like, from literally from childbirth, obviously, because she's been on TV for years. But, for like, years, yeah. person. And more recently... Um, the retreat that I did was founded by a lady called Donna at Lancaster who I've interviewed on my podcast yeah. since then like, she's been such a source of like motherly love and energy like she's obviously not my mum yeah. and I like talk to her every day but she's just so motherly 
and so like safe that makes sense so the retreat that you went on was yeah. the retreat that basically what was it about gratitude you said it was like grief so it's about processing your grief and oh. they basically it's called the bridge retreat and um they it's 12 people that get to go on the retreat each time it happens and they basically have people process whatever is basically messed with them in their lives and made them be in these spaces mm. so everyone's got a really wild story and you're sitting there like wow like how did you find these 12 people yeah. with equally wild stories to me to sit in a room and then just kind of just really be get to be angry about mm. the experience and then get to be loved through that so she's like She's a she's a therapist and she's worked she's been a social worker she's just been loads of things in her life and now she does these retreats where she kind of like enables people to get angry and then like loves them through the process. Yeah, that's amazing. Releases you back into the world and you're like, okay, I'm me personally. I feel ready to be back in the world. Yeah. I'm also mindful of people that probably do that retreat and then it's like, wow, I've opened up all this stuff now. It's gonna take me a long time to be processing, but yeah. because I've been in my head for so long. Yeah. I think I w- it was it was good timing for me to be like this year. Um, so Donna is the second person. She is um, amazing. Donna Lancaster. I'm going to link to her and bits and pieces as well. And what, what is the piece of advice that you wish you took that you didn't um, take? I didn't take, yeah. and I'm now starting to take my day. <laughs> yes. So like in 2009, I um, competed. I used to sing. I don't know if I've ever told you this, but I used to be singing. And in 2009, I took part in a talent competition and um, wasn't trying to, I weren't taking it seriously because I've never believed in myself. I'm just going to be very, not even like for pity, like I've just never thought I was that girl. So I sang in this competition and then two twos, I won. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, and then at the end, people were trying to talk to me and I'm just all baffled, like, what the <laughs> This woman, and I have to once again say, I have this thing about Jamaican women, and especially with dreadlocks, I just feel like yeah, they're like, the spirit got in life. <laughs> yeah. This woman with locks come up to me, and she held my hand and looked into my eyes and said, the biggest sin in the world is to waste a talent. Mm. And she said it to me, she's like, do you know what I'm talking about? And I was like, yeah, but I fully didn't know what she was I didn't know, yeah, and I was, and that has never left me. I don't know, I've never seen her again. Yeah. I just it's don't. Just stu- it's just stuck with you now. Yeah, and I always think about it, the biggest thing in the world is to waste the talent, and then I just think about um, the talents that people are given in and what holds them back from sharing them with things like self-doubt and lack of confidence and how much of a disservice that is to the world mm-hmm. because you're so in your own stuff mm-hmm. when your own insecurities that you're not sharing your gift with the world and it, like now so, so obviously now my gift for now isn't singing I don't think that's what I'm supposed this, to be doing right now assignment, the vulnerable podcast yeah it's assignment. like well, like it is and, and my gift is talking to people yeah. and it's like if I'm not sharing that with the world then then it's a sin and when you see it as a sin like you don't want to do that so you have to share it <laughs> do so you think you'll me, release music again um, I think, yeah, I wouldn't say no, like, honest to God, if I'm in a studio and someone's like, can you sing, you talk, I'm going to sing it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to sing it, but I'm not going to, like, like, I was really trying to be that girl that got signed, <laughs> and I just realised that that's just not, like, I, number one, I'm not really into the music industry, like, I really wanted to get into it at some point. I don't think it's a space for me. Mm. I need to be more robust as a human being to mm. kind of operate in that type of space. Yeah. Um, 
And I just feel like I have more work to do as someone who facilitates conversation and someone who gets on stage and performs. That's my thing. Well, I, I don't think there's yeah. any limits in, in, your, in your future or over your life in any capacity. I think whatever you do, um, I think you'll excel out just because of the energy that you put out and give to other people. I also just wanted to say um, one of the pieces of advice I was given when I was talking to somebody about one of the failures I had in business and um, his wife, like she's a, like a jeweler, mm-hmm. um, not really a jeweler, but a gemologist. Um, she deals mm-hmm. with diamonds, but um, he told me, I was like, Oh, I need funding to start my business. And, you know, I don't really know the direction that I want to go in and stuff like that. And that's something that's actually held me back for many years. But mm-hmm. he said to me, Remy, um, they sell water. And yeah. that's never left me he's they package water mm. and I, it, like it blows me away every time i'm like yeah you're right <laughs> get on with it <laughs> oh thank you so much we've basically been talking for an hour yeah um, how can we get in touch with you tell us all your details and i'll tag everything as well and thank you so much for your time you know no, thank you. Like I, I feel energized now. Like I have to go. I have to wind down and go to bed. So I, I would be foolish not to say at this stage that I have a GoFundMe that's happening at the yes, moment. Yes, you do. Uh, this is something that like I'm learning to do to promote myself more. So, Good. so yeah, I mentioned the retreat, quite, the retreat quite a bit, and now the retreat are doing a six month course that is about more healing and more self discovery and more kind of inner work. Yeah. It's something that I really, really want to do. So there's a GoFundMe, and I'll send you the link to that. So you hope you can. Yeah, I've got it. I'll link it as well. So, um, so yeah, you can find me on Instagram at Alyssa Rochelle. That's A double L Y S A Rochelle R O C H E double L E. Our vulnerable podcast Instagram is at vulnerable podcast, and also the email address if you wanted to email us is on our Instagram, but it's also vulnerable podcast at gmail dot com. I'm super accessible. I'm always on my phone, even though I shouldn't be. Um, so yeah, I'd really, really like to kind of like connect with your listeners have like further conversation definitely i'm definitely gonna um be promoting the podcast a lot more over the next few months so um definitely that's gonna happen and i just want as many people to hear about your story especially the younger generations that are coming up and are unsure because social media has made them think that even the most naughtiest things are now cool you know what i mean like i still want to help that generation create barriers and know when things are wrong and when things are right um, yeah. so it's really important that your voice just continues to get higher and higher because I believe it's something that many people need so thank yeah. you so much for your time thank you for your platform and I was just before I go I just had a thought and I'm just going to say it out in the universe we should totally like do an event together or something we should we really really should um I, I didn't even mention before you go your event was so wicked and I had to leave because I had to drive back home but yeah. the ladies that I sat with that I didn't know from Adam <laughs> They were so bloody amazing and open and free and you created such a dope space where people were actually just super in tune and I like you kept telling us off because we kept like sidetracking from what we were doing but just that little connection that we made with each other was just so sweet and sometimes that's a nice reminder that you know you can meet new people and it can be a nice thing you know. So well yeah. done um, to both thank of you. Thank you so much. We're gonna, yeah, thank you so much, Amy. You are amazing. Amazing, 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 amazing.